episode today is a special one for me, reconnecting with somebody that was kind of from my origin story coming into the world of higher education and just kind of chatting before getting on the air here that, you know, for each of us, a lot has changed over the span of years since like we've actually recorded an episode and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be fun to kind of share all the wonderful things that Krista has been up to and talk about her work supporting folks uh, with transitions in life, which is something that I am also very personally interested in, something that I've grappled with and kind of interfaced with in my life of kind of trying to overcome transitions in life, whatever they may be. So get into all that. But Krista, if you want to introduce yourself briefly, and then we'll get into the rest of the conversation. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dustin. I'm excited to be here to be back here. So my name is Krista Klein. Currently, I kind of identify myself as a lifelong learner and educator, Mm -hmm. scholar and advocate. I work at Rutgers University, New Brunswick. That's where Dustin, that's where we met. And I'm working in the Honors College here. I've been here for eight years in this specific role and currently the interim associate dean, which is exciting. But I just finished my doctorate, which is where I feel like a lot of the magic is happening lately. And that was focused on helping undergraduate women navigate a major life transition. And the context was the COVID-19 pandemic. So A lot has been going on, like you said, but I'm excited to be able to talk about it and interweave all the pieces of life together as part of all the transitions that I've been through. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah, because I think like at its core, to me, just you obviously name dropping the pandemic, that's always the kind of like big gorilla in the room. It's like it was such a powerful example of the outside world affecting our lives as employees, as students, as just every role and different thing that we have going on. And you kind of just couldn't ignore it while it was going on. And we're like slowly crawling our way out of the whole of this just massive global event and everything. So it's like we do all have to understand like kind of what that did to us or how we're transitioning, you know, out of that or so a lot of stuff. And it's just I think of just like a knot that it's just continually being untied and sort of released and everything. But I'm curious because it's always just something that, you know, is very new and different to me is the doctoral program, your dissertation, that whole experience, because I imagine it was such a big part of your life for the entire time. I mean, just how as you have completed it and reflect on it, what was that like and how your sort of focus on the pandemic came to be? Because I guess, did you start it? before the pandemic or what like like I guess like the timeline is mostly sort of what I'm searching for here of sort of like how the topic came to you yeah so I actually speaking of transitions and all of that I started the program well I got into the program in January 2017 and then found out that I was pregnant with my daughter in April of 2017 she and my doctor are the same age about five and a half but so that was really like a huge transition in the very beginning of the program. But I didn't quite know that that was what I wanted to study. I think once I had my daughter, I really realized a lot about that I wanted to work on issues impacting women. And then from there, really struggled, I want to say, when I was writing the proposal to figure out what kind of context to use. You know, women in leadership is not super, super popular, but there's a lot out there and it's growing a lot. So I needed to find kind of something really tangible to make it unique. It's like that one tiny little pinpoint. But I also am someone who really wants everything to be meaningful that I do 
if it's going to take up a lot of my time. So some folks, and I don't begrudge anyone, will do a doctorate program just to get it done, to get the title, to get the, I totally understand the, the need for that. But I really wanted something that I was going to care about and want to do work with. So shout out to Dana Weintraub, who is the director of research and assessment here at Rutgers. She was on my dissertation committee and really kind of helped, I guess, right around that time is when uh, students were in the process of kind of coming back to campus as a result of the remote transition. So they had just started coming back in 2021, here at least in, in New Jersey. And so that was really how it all kind of came to that topic. But I also knew based on my experience in having a child in going on maternity leave, in starting the doctorate, all of those transitions really helped. So I think for me, it's really about the transitions that all of us go through and have to navigate that really impacted me and helped me choose this topic. I didn't really realize until COVID that that really happened. Yeah. And I think it's interesting of how you had the core of the topic there and then it evolved with what you're sort of bearing witness to in your own life and the world. So I think that's just an interesting part of it and that, that it was something that went along with you for like a major transition of becoming a parent and those early years and everything. But I think sort of a divergence here or something where there like could have been easily this path not taken of, you know, you do all this research, you explore it, you're putting this sort of knowledge out into the world, but you kind of embraced the almost like with as Spider-Man would say, great power because great responsibility. You like ingested all this of like, okay, people going through transitions, how they work through it. And you're like, I want to try to help other people with this. Like, what was that sort of decision process like? You could have just closed the book on the dissertation, put it on the shelf, and people would find it on their own. But you kind of wanted to have a more active role in helping others with it as you moved on from your doctorate. So like, what was that like, that decision process? Yeah. So when I started the program specifically, I knew that I wanted to do a PhD in higher education because like I said, I wanted it to be meaningful to me and like a learning experience. That's one of my, if not my top kind of personal value is learning and making learning a priority. So for me, I wanted to learn what was relevant and what was interesting and exciting. And it took me a really long time to figure out that transition kind of pinpoint. It was, I was struggling. I was like, should I do this? What am I doing? It was, it was really hard to to figure that out. But then once I got to towards the end, kind of thinking more about being an advocate, being a role model, kind of working towards creating a more just world for all of us, more equitable world for everyone. I wanted to be able to continue the work. And I had found in my professional career, I'd been doing a lot of presentations at conferences in higher education focused on supporting women returning to work after maternity leave and knowing that that was some folks had attended sessions and said, I've never seen a presentation like this at a conference. And we've done it across the country at this point. So knowing that also really pushed me to see this was kind of a gap that needed to be filled. And it gives me reason to kind of continue that work and drive me. So really kind of the motivation is just being able to support others to be an advocate. It all aligns with, you know, what I hold most important. Yeah. And I, I think it's like a really powerful thing of really giving folks respect because it could have been in an anecdotal way where it's like, oh, this will inform my perspective as a professional that works with other human beings in any context, you know, moving into the future after you 
have gone through the experience of researching this, but that you're making it very explicit that you're like opening yourself up to work with people. I guess in a sense, it makes me think of just for if people are looking for a parallel, it's like, you know, sort of life coaching kind of set where it's like, you know, I've gone through career coaching where it's like, it's kind of counseling, but it's so hyper-targeted and typically very short-term, but it, it did sort of at least could have done in a similar sort of setting or environment or sort of methodology, I guess. Because yeah, I think it's just like that is that sort of decision point that you are making yourself available to do that with folks. So certainly, yeah, kudos for embarking on that journey and all of that. And I think it is something that with what you were doing, you were saying it kind of particularly, you know, you research like undergraduate women, and I think in general, how sort of motherhood or just sort of like different things like that play into this. If you want to dig a little bit deeper with like how this impacts women in particular, what did you find in your research or just sort of like your own sort of journey with this sort of with transitions? So I think that's a really great question and really interesting as I found in the research with undergraduate women that their experiences were not necessarily as much shaped by gender as it was by all of their intersecting identities. So gender and race or gender and social class or first gen status for an undergraduate student. But then I know, like I said, from my experience and from engaging with professional women who have experienced the shift with maternity leave, there's tons of research out there on things like the maternal wall or the maternal, the motherhood penalty, where women in particular experience like significant challenges in their work uh, life after having children. So knowing that there's those existing studies out there, then pulling in the undergraduate women experience, but also recognizing the complexity now of multiple identities is something that I wanted to make sure that I highlighted as well. And knowing I bring certain identities to the table as a white woman, and I have a lot of privilege and educational privilege, but I, I want to be able to kind of draw those parallels, but still acknowledge that, you know, gender, I think, is salient for folks at different points in their lives. Um, and the roles and the expectations on a mother add a lot of additional kind of weight to a woman's shoulders that makes it different. In higher education, it's almost impossible to truly stand out. Ology gets it. As a branding and marketing agency that focuses on education, they understand that what makes you authentic is also what makes you distinct. Ology offers award-winning creative, smart strategy, innovative thinking, and expert digital marketing. Most of all, they'll help you connect with your audiences, bring your stakeholders together, and achieve the results that matter most to you. Want to find out more about how you can build a compelling brand or campaign? Visit ology.com. That's O-L-O-G-I-E dot com and mention that Dustin from Higher Ed Geek sent you their way. It sort of speaks to something like that I've kind of toyed with the idea that like typically like coming to campus in the traditional sense is kind of this equalizing factor in a lot of ways where like you everybody has access to all the resources that they theoretically, you know, would need to be able to perform well in their classes and do all these sort of things. And I think that's always something that an institution has to kind of interrogate is like, you know, keeping up with sort of expectations of students and making the resources as accessible as possible, especially now sort of having them available digitally and maybe thinking about, okay, well, these students may be working during the day, we need to expand hours or different things like that. But um, even on that front of sort of the, their gender identity, like that it, there is at least like, 
uh, a fertile ground for like that almost being like removed from the equation. So then like they can just sort of like work on building hopefully like a strong foundation to cope with transitions. Cause I, I kind of wanted to, you know, zig and zag here of like a question that just came to my mind is that idea of like, okay, well, if you're entering into a healthy learning environment, such as college and a lot of the other sort of like gobbledygook that could sort of just make it very hard for women in particular or anybody else to like manage life transitions and different things. Like it could be that ability to build your coping skills, build sort of a strong foundation to endure either a shipwreck moment or just this like major life milestone of having a child or things like that. So is that something that you think about maybe like now a little bit differently is like how you can sort of like almost do like almost like the like mental health well visits or something with people to kind of like, okay, you're cool, you're good, but like we want to make sure that you like you stay good. So that means like, you know, trying to get those early indicators of areas of of growth or improvement or anything like that. And I feel like it fits in very well with sort of the higher ed setting. Yeah, it I mean it definitely does. And my background in higher ed is working with students in transition. Like I taught first year seminar, I was an orientation leader, like that transition from high school to college has always been really central to my life since, I don't know, I was 19 or 20 years old. We even read some student development theory, like when I was a sophomore or junior. So I love the fact that this all still connects. Like I always found that transition to be really fascinating. And I do think you make a really good point about the being proactive and I have found in my journey many times that I seek out support or therapy or other resources when like ish has hit the fan and things are crazy. And then it's almost too late to to process. So kind of being proactive is really important and building those skills and strategies throughout your life because these transitions happen. They can, like you said, they can be a shipwreck moment. They could be huge, but there are also really small things like coming back from vacation is a transition that we have to deal with. That's not necessarily as earth shattering, but it's still something that we can all work on and develop kind of coping skills to be able to process that or understanding what's most salient to you today at this time. Like right now talking to you, I'm not necessarily like, oh, I'm mom, Krista. But if I got a call from near school right now, that would switch right away. Like you have to kind of adjust your roles really quickly. So I think it's good for someone to be able to have those coping skills like whenever. Yeah. And that's honestly like what I wanted to bring in about myself is it's sort of the, you know, neurodivergence of it all. Like that comes into play where I've just like my entire life. And I think that's something where you can try to sort of, you know, with young children, try to help them have like smooth transitions between activities and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't know if like back in the day, that was something people knew about or whatever, if that's just sort of like it's nature and nurture or whatever. But like, it is exactly what you're saying, like even on the smaller scale of if I have an expectation for how the day is going to go and like the rug gets pulled out from under me, that's just a day-to-day kind of like thing where it's, it. and the example that you're giving was another good one. Like you get a call when you're work, Krista, but then it's like when you get interrupted and have to tra- like kind of make that transition, you're like irritable or you're sort of short and stuff because it's like, like at some people, it's just that idea is like it's the day-to-day stuff that maybe is more what they're wanting to work on and other people, it is more of the like, I had a major life event and I'm trying to work through that. 
And sometimes it would be the idea too of like you're anticipating where it's like, I know that I'm going to be like moving or doing whatever. And I want to try to like get ahead of that versus like you said, like picking up the pieces of my life after I like had a horrible transition and like kind of fell off the wagon or whatever. But um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there really is sort of like the day to day stuff of how we interact with each other, because it's like you really would not fault anybody of getting fed up with somebody who just like is always a jerk to them because a day gets changed and you know whatever it's on you to like take responsibility for you know doing the best that you can or at least showing that like you have the self-awareness of what your issues are and are trying to work on them and it's not as if it's like well you just got to do this and then you'll be fine forever and it's never going to be an issue again and whatever like it's always going to be trying to keep in check with yourself to to, to know what's going to be and important maybe it is just sort of taking a moment to kind of gather yourself before you're sort of like you know uh having to kind of you know kind of click back and forth in between different roles or things like that so has that come up at all or just sort of like th- like observations for you i guess of like that sort of like day-to-day portion of it of even that's something i guess that you obviously have all these sort of identities and titles and mantles that you have to sort of juggle and things but even I guess just like sort of the neurodivergence of it all, like just that people are going to be fundamentally, you know, able to handle these sort of things differently. Yeah. I mean, I really appreciate your perspective on that and kind of reminding me of the neurodivergence of it all. I don't think I've necessarily thought about that explicitly, but I think, so I'm working on a course and like creating a course. And the module that I'm working on is focusing on changing and adapting roles. And that's exactly what you just said, which is like, you may have to on a dime switch and completely change what you thought the day was going to look like and, and adapt there. And I personally identify as someone who operates on like a high, have operated historically on a high level of anxiety. So if we're saying like 100 and I'm operating at a 90 most of the time, I've really had to do a lot, not just like cognitively, but also like somatically with my body to kind of react differently. Like I have historically had like physical reactions to an email, like hearts pounding. Oh my God, what's happening? Or I, this is urgent. I need to do this right this second and recognizing the cognitive, but also the physical effects of that in the long term and how that really builds up. And so for me, a lot of this is also about pausing. Like to me, that's like probably the number one thing is like just you, it's nothing is urgent unless obviously like something terrible is happening, but like an email or something, there is not, it's a false sense of urgency. And I don't blame any of us for creating that. I think there's a lot of systems that create that I have operated very well in an urgent system for my whole life. So this is a lot of like brain retraining and we don't have to get into all the details, but I love that you brought that up because I think we really need to start being aware of how we physically respond to things too, when things are changing or transitions are happening that we don't necessarily expect. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me think of just like a raw nerve or something, that idea where like you are just primed to get like these sort of, you know, stimuli that like you'll just get it full force and just be like, that's what like, gets your attention or whatever. Like you said, like the world even is built to make not doing that very hard. It's all the pings, it's the notifications, it's the big red dot, this, that, the other thing. And you have to like opt out of getting all of those things like you have to be like no 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 no. i want everything to be silent i will check it when i'm ready that is not the default setting and that's maybe just a 
big metaphor for the world or something. But yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like email has been always my like greatest enemy. It's like, no, I need to respond in seconds. And that's just, you know, the most important thing. And I've had people just be like, no, man, relax. It's okay. <laughs> like, but that's a good example of like, because that's like the idea of like, even smaller than like, oh, how I thought my day was going to go is changing. It's like a micro transition of like your focus of whatever you were doing, you then are just sort of, wait, that email is the most important thing. Throw everything away. I've got to just like divert all of my attention to this immediately. And like, it's like a physical reaction almost of stress or something because it's like, hey, you weren't feeling that just a moment ago, like, but you just had that raw nerve, just got to get hit. And if it's almost like, how about I don't just like keep my email open all the time or have everything buzz at me all the time? Like, how about I check it when I'm ready and I feel like I'm in a good place or something? Like, it's those things I'm sure maybe like as you continue to sort of work with more people and the more things and being almost like, please, the whole spectrum of whether it's like you got a big major life event or you just are like, I feel like day to day life should not be so hard with like just all the different demands and transitions I have to make and all that. So it's super great stuff. And I think there's such a broad applicability again, like in the higher ed context of how we can have faculty and staff just not maybe get so burnt out all the time. And that also for students, how they can really build a strong foundation in such a formative time, you know, in a learning environment to be better able to cope with transitions and everything. But uh, as we wind down, we'll do our typical final two questions. Certainly, you know, you yourself, you know, you're making yourself available as a resource, but if there's any other things on this topic uh, that you want to give a shout out to that we can point folks towards to do a little bit more homework. Sure. So if anyone's super into theory, there is a theory out there that is called transition theory that's developed by Nancy Schlossberg. So if someone really wants to dive into theory on that, you can. But I also have learned a lot from a few kind of coaches that I've had specifically focused on what we were just touching on at the end here, which is this kind of nervous system retraining or brain rewiring. So these like physical somatic practices, Laura Larios, L-A-R-I-O-S and Vital Side. Those are two folks that I found on Instagram and have taken like courses, but also done some one-on-one coaching. And that's made a significant impact in even me building towards where I am at this point. But also I love, there's something out there now called Radical Mental Health First Aid. So taking a look at that, learning about that. And then I always and here for Nedra Chawab, who wrote Set Boundaries, Five Peace. So a great book that helps to kind of frame a lot of this stuff. Awesome. So then we will wrap everything up with our typical final question. Any final thought or call to action on this topic to end the episode with, to wrap everything up and to get folks inspired leaving the episode here? Yeah, so I am... I just like to say, like, I'm on a journey. I think we're all on a journey. And so um, we're on this pendulum that swings back and forth. And we're never, I always try to think like, well, why am I not calm? Or why am I not handling this well? And recognizing that we are human beings, it's really important to kind of acknowledge that things are going to shift and things are going to change. And so the way that the best we can do is be able to slightly improve our coping even if it's going from 90 to 89 that's a huge win and things will eventually kind of add up and build up over time so i guess have patience with yourself and reach out to whatever resources and support you can but i'm excited to be able to kind of launch my business and see where things take me from there but i think you know just patience for yourself and for everyone 
Yes. Very good. Final thought and call to action. Because, yeah, it's kind of the idea of like starting somewhere and just trying to do better than you did yesterday. Like reach your own personal best. And it's refreshing because I feel like I hear that sentiment now in a lot of my like the children's books that I read to my daughter. I'm just like, yes, okay, great. That is good for you to hear now when you're three years old. So and good for us all to hear now and be reminded of and try to really uh, internalize. So thank you so much for hanging out and sharing all that you did, Krista. And uh, congrats on earning your doctorate and awesome <laughs> milestone and all the great work that you do. That was really good. great to chat with you. Yeah, thank you so much. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify podcast network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.